Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm, I like it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Intergalactic Interviews. This is episode 17. Uh, I am, of course, your host, MD of the Boomsday Alliance. How was your weekend? I have had a fantastic weekend. Uh, we had 10 to 12,000 drinks. We had a great time. And uh, I have the utmost pleasure. I'm sitting here with the uh, head producer slash founder of Amp Records, one of my good friends for the better part of a decade now, uh, Mr. Phil Lehman. Welcome, uh, sir. Uh, Welcome thank to you. the show. Thank Welcome. you for having me. This is fantastic. How you doing? Did you have a good weekend? I had uh, yeah, good weekend. Good weekend. Just kind of kept my head down a bit. It was a flu that went around. Seems mm. like everybody needed to shed their reptilian skin and, and get something <laughs> new in them. It's a 2014 record, apparently. Dude. Not a record for 2014, because <laughs> that would be, that, that's happening every day. I'm sure. Reptilian skin. Do you uh, do you give into those theories that they talk about? Uh uh, some of the theories from David Icke. Uh, I don't. I no? know of it, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know about it. People at home that don't know what we're talking about, there's a theory that uh, some of the elitist members of the uh, the world and the mm-hmm. society that, mm-hmm. that we live in, um, like the Queen of England and presidents, past and present, uh, right. etc., prime ministers, they all just seem to be uh, reptilian uh, <laughs> overlords that uh, take shape of humans and feed on human blood. And that sounds it's not... It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it sounds... I don't see why anyone have a problem with that. I, you know. Yeah, to have a problem with it. I think the problem for me is that people just, they talk too much. <laughs> you know, the coolest things that I've heard about on this planet don't really exist. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I mean aliens and all that stuff. And as you get older, I feel like the reality of of what those things are, they, they just start to go away. And you start realizing, no, I mean, we're pretty isolated on this planet. We're a pretty big fluke that we're even here. And, yeah. and it's like a like a fucking wasteland of death <laughs> anywhere else past us for as far as we know and as far as we can see uh, and that kind of thing so you know but people talk about a lot of these things and i would love it if there were these secret worlds and all these societies and secret societies but i don't know i just don't buy it. i feel like we're all just fucking you know we wake up and we're just kind of like fuck my hair looks like <laughs> shit today or you got to put your pants on and and that's i think we all just kind of go through that so we're you think we're a giant uh, accident Yes, I think for the mo- for the better part of it, you know, we just kind of started to grow so like we're, mold. We're like the Goldilocks, so to speak. We're just we're the just right zone where there's just, just enough. Exactly, right. it's just right. It was just a perfect concoction. I mean, without us, I mean, we're just like monkeys that learn to dress ourselves. That's very true. Really, yeah. I mean, fashion and all this. It's a pre- we we created our own problems. I would say it's pretty interesting that we live on a planet that like if just tilted a few degrees mm. the wrong way would just send us burning into the sun like that's totally that's insane that our axis is just perfect and and that um venus is just way too like the planets in between us that's what i'm saying right. the goldilocks theory it's just mm-hmm. like, like the planets in between us are just D- just an uninhabitable completely shit storm right but they're these celestial bodies that are made up of the same stuff that we're made of yeah. so it's very interesting that given the right concoction they could be inhabitable right. for sure yeah do you feel that <clears throat> do you feel that um, based on some of the findings that NASA has recently with like other Goldilocks type planets. Like there's a super planet they found. Like Gliese? Is that Gliese? Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, it's the one that looks, that's a, they've got the similar characteristics to Earth. Or the, that, that um, what do you call it? 
Is that the super Earth? Is that that one? Well, I don't, I don't know actually, but I do know there's another planet that has the same characteristics yeah. as Earth, and that's like the the first thing they found that could be actually capable of hosting life. But they don't, they don't know if there's anything on it. At that this would point. be crazy. You know, it's probably just full of deer. But it could be, and ours could be too. I mean, it's nothing really that makes it us that special. We just happen to still be here and evolving. It's, it's odd that there's these planets that are so rare that can host life because. Um, like in Star Trek, they call them like M class. Oh, okay. M class planets. Right. And an uh, M class. Here, I'm just going to move the mic here for a second. I think I'm just talking sideways. Yeah. Is that better, folks? You like that? You sounded sideways. A little baritone. <laughs> the uh, what was I saying? Oh, the uh, the planets like the super planet is four times the geographic scale of Earth. Oh, so it's a, it's way bigger. Four times, but inhabitable is it, what they're but saying. Like, Interesting. Like, so in theory, like, I've always wanted, it's like we should just be putting all our resources into getting there. <laughs> totally. Like, Fuck this place. Why We're not? clearly gonna just fuck it over, and then we can leave it, right. and it'll probably fix itself, which is good for it. You know, if you love it, you should be able to leave it. It should be able know? to heal itself. Well, it should. Yeah. You'd come back, and San Francisco would be completely just overtaken. It'd be the, a jungle. The Golden Gate Bridge would just be yeah, like be vines sweet. covered yeah. in vines. It's very Project Mayhem Fight Club like when Brad Pitt, right, and that's the point. Right? Yeah, he's they want to re- revert everything back to zero. Jaguars running through Times Square and like <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, depopulation, and not like I don't value human life, but I just I feel that for the most part, it's just we need like a good cold snap, like just like boom. Well, I think that's happening, right? That's like this is officially the coldest it's ever been, ever in in we as we know, obviously the like ice in recorded age, history in recorded history, right. of course, which well, is really uh, just a way of saying as as fucking as far as we know. <laughs> I don't know shit, man. <laughs> There was some shit written down, written down before I got here, and that's what it said, and nothing before that. So, hey, that's all the I got. The Sumerian texts, the people that invented language and written writing. Right, yeah. It's, it's odd that even they, our understanding of them is so primitive. It's not... Definitely. It's, it's not like when we discuss, say, the Germans or Fran- uh, for the French or, or right. anyone, right? It's for, yeah, in the, in the pretty recent history, even right. 400 years ago. It's odd, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's really odd that, that we have so much of our understanding is based off of so very little understanding. Do you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. It's all just a big guessing game. And you, it, trying to reinterpret these things that they've written down as well is kind of like, well, I, I guess that's what they're saying. <laughs> I don't even really know. And it seems accurate, so cool. Let's go with that. Do you believe that uh, we've restarted the human race a few times, or do you think this is our first incarnation? I honestly couldn't tell you. I would believe anything. Well, I, I, th- I think it's like it's really up for debate that there are a few monolithic structures that we've been able to visit and, right. and, and uncover, literally, sometimes literally uncover, and we're like, wow, how, how did these get here? We don't even have the technology right. to do this now. We can't even do this now. Yeah, right. exactly. So, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I think about that sometimes. If, say, this cold snap right now did end up killing people, or this flu that's going around really wiped out a large portion right. of the population, and we were, like, still knew how to manufacture iPhones for the next, say, like, year, <laughs> or, like, 100 years or something, but then slow 
slowly we obviously were like, fuck, I don't even know what's wrong with this thing. It's obviously we, we fucked it up and now it won't turn on. And then another thousand years go by and therefore finding iPhones yeah. buried in the dirt. And we're like, oh my God, how do how did they do that? What was this super race yeah. that was creating this technology? Wow, and... they were able to manufacture plastic and glass. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, glass and all these components, yeah. this circuit board. Of, I don't even know what they would call it at that point. That's crazy. They would reinvent the terms for all of these things as well. And they would think they were like inventing the terms because we were obviously too stupid to know that much, even though we could do something that they can't do. That's crazy. Mm. That the, they would reinvent the terms. And you're totally right. They, they yeah, would, they, they would have no idea. Even that's odd that right now, all of our terms in our language in English, that they're just a common understanding of a certain word. Yeah, we get we all kind of go, okay, cool. I'm going to refer to that thing as this for right. from now on, and it, we should be able to understand each other, and that's how we, we do it. But yeah, I mean, it's just all made up, really. Even hello is really just bullshit. If I started saying Kajama as my <laughs> greeting when I saw you and that caught on, that would be a perfectly acceptable way to greet somebody, though now sounding what crazy. What was that? Kazaba? Kazaba, yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to start the show with those now. Kazaba, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. Phil Lehman, you're an innovator. Look at this. Well, you just that's the world, man. It's just opened... It's an open blank slate, really. I find it odd that humans um, uh, have are one of the few species with language that we have dialect, that we have mm -hmm. separation. Because like a cheetah, for the most part, speaks cheetah, from what I understand. And as much as I've never really even seen a cheetah try and talk, I've seen them chase shit. Right. And, and then I guess even that's that. a form of communication. Is that I'm gonna fucking kill you so run or you're dead do you have a uh, do you have any pets do you have any uh... i don't but i do i did have cats uh previously and i i love cats i, I have a cat right now. awesome yeah no they're yeah. so interesting the way they they see the world and they really don't give a shit <laughs> about you or anybody else and they'll put up with you long enough to get fed and that's pretty it. much yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our cat uh he pretty much bosses me around oh he, yeah yeah he's a big guy he's like 26 pounds he, he doesn't mess around oh yeah um, um, but the, the thing I've read about cats recently is that uh, cats have learned to uh, meow only around, like generally they only have to, they only meow when they're kittens, oh, like, okay. when, when they're wild, like they, when they're, a feral cat is found with its mother, it only meows to communicate with the mother, hmm. so to let it know it's, I'm okay or I need help or Right, just whatnot. the basics. Right. So when a cat is like domesticated and it's generally by itself, unless you have several cats and you right. haven't been able to get a date lately, paching. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. have all these cats, whatever, it, they often only talk to you when they want food right. or whatnot. So they've evolved to the point where they understand that they can meow and elicit a response from us. Oh, right. There's definitely a reaction that we Which is crazy. We give them back. So it kind of brings to, to light the, the theory that possibly these cats, um, they can understand us but they choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they they know enough to know that there's something happening, but then they also know enough to know that it just doesn't matter. It just all. doesn't matter cuz like most people I've started talking to my cat like he's a like he's a dude. Okay, right. then I'll be like, "Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing?" Or be like throws the response yeah, at you. Yeah, that's right. right. I'd be like, oh yeah, what'd you do today? Hang out. <laughs> nice. Nice. Right. <laughs> Throw <laughs> yeah. one of those. But like I know people, you know, even myself, I'm guilty of this, but when they talk to the cat, they're like, oh, peace, peace, what you doing? Peace. Right, give like, them the, the yeah. baby talk kind yeah, of thing, Yeah, and right? the cat's probably like, motherfucker, like, yeah. just give me, why, why do you treat me differently than you treat everybody yeah. else? I see it. I can see you talking to those guys, <laughs> and what, just because they're a little bit taller than me? Exactly. They don't have as much hair? It's this is serious discrimination. Racism, yeah, discrimination. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I, I, have, uh, I have a hard time dealing with... Uh, 
with people that that don't really like animals do you, do you have, have you ever met someone who doesn't I, like animals yeah i've I've met them. I would say there's nobody really currently that I would say is super. Most of the, most of my friends right now actually do have a pet, uh, really? whether a dog or a cat. It's kind of like the stepping stone to to uh, parenthood. I, I'm not ever having kids, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know myself. Um, I would say dogs really are because really? dogs you le- like you have to go home. I got my cat. I could have left him for like two weeks so long because I, I had <laughs> an automatic feeder, right? And obviously he would be lonely, but he would survive. Well, how did the automatic feeder work? Was it like motion sensor? No, it was timed. Timed. Yeah. So twice. So if there was a power outage, he'd be screwed. Oh, Although wow. he probably would get in there. He's pretty smart. It wasn't that secure. First time I went to Vegas, we left like a an automatic timer. Oh yeah. Uh, but it was a. Uh, like a foot pedal switch as well. So if you oh, wanted it. so they could just yeah. call it on anytime you wanted. So we were like, oh, he's fine, you know, and then we gave him the same for the water. Like it was a, the sister product of that was the water feeder next to it. So oh, we're I like, see. oh, he's fine, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. So we went away for a few days and then I, I come back and uh, it jammed. Oh, the no. food jammed. So for like one whole day, this cat, you, and you could see where his paws only go so far up into the oh, like so he dug yeah, out as much like as he when could. a pop can gets stuck in a vending machine he's right. like trying to reach up there and like pull it out and it just it just wasn't coming and oh no it's, uh, it's savage but i mean whatever you know obviously survive but yes i'm um, obviously the worst that can that would happen could happen and sure <laughs> then there might be bad but a dog you have to take them out every day or you're gonna have to have a house full of shit and that's piss right. and they're gonna decide where to do it and they probably don't even like that try to get outside that's brutal, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I could deal with a dog. <coughs> I don't know if I could ever have, uh, like, I don't like birds. I don't like having, like, uh, I, think, yeah. I think caged birds. I think that's an awful thing, man. I think it's pretty awful. I think something that, yeah, say fish, something that oh. you don't really get to interact with, it just seems, what is the point? Have you heard of this new documentary Power, that came out recently? Uh, it's streaming on Netflix now. Um, Blackfish? No, I have not seen that. Uh, it deals with... Um, uh, the the captivity and the the incarceration really of uh, uh, the killer whales in oh, SeaWorld okay. and, and uh, Sealand. Interesting. And uh, also and, and the Canadian affiliate, obviously. Everyone loves Marine Land. Oh yeah, and, uh, right. I do remember yeah, that. Except for me now, because uh, it's pretty crazy. The the it it shows. Um, first of all, it's I think it was produced by CNN. So uh, okay. you have to kind of take from it what you will, but right. um, it's created almost entirely from footage that was court ordered to be released by SeaWorld and, and Marineland because all of really? its, all of their training and everything is under film. And so, over the past twenty years, they've had over seventy five uh, recorded attacks against trainers hmm. from from these killer whales. Well, f- why not? Right, but there's never been a recorded attack in the wild ever. So oh, interesting. So yeah. they were just smart enough to be like, hey, you dick. Right. Get right. me out of here. So in the early 80s, I think it was like late 70s, early 80s, they, they actually captured this uh, one particular whale hmm. uh, named Tilikum. And uh, Tilikum actually was in Victoria, B.C., just across the island here. Uh, interesting. For a good, I think, four, first five or six years of his life. And um, it was savage the way they used to treat them there. It was, so I, what, what sort of things were they doing to them? Well, um... In particular, this this was like an outdoor park. Obviously, oh, okay. um, they had a they had a uh, pen set up, and I think it was like like a hotel pool size pen. Okay, okay. So it was it was, but it was maybe thirty feet deep. So it was much deeper than the usual. I don't even know if that's true. Those might not even be the true dimensions. But from what they showed on TV with the graphics and whatnot, it was particularly deep, especially for a creature that. Uh, 
roams freely of course <laughs> into this the is infinite blue any right? yeah any little you know right. confined spaces suddenly right. so way less so we we ended up uh kind of watching this and they had uh even more details which were really really astonishing like hmm. for instance uh this tilikum um in the winter in this park in victoria i think it was called sea land is what it was in this park uh, it was very small there's only like they were the feature attraction then. Oh, okay. They were they were the only attraction from what I understand. So it was it was him as a whale and then there's two other ones. Oh jeez. But but he uh because he was brought in uh, as a male and the females are, are much they're much uh quicker. They're right. smaller, so they're quicker, so they can actually take bites of him. And they're showing he was like abused and like by the, by the other oh two. Oh my god! And so they started to to, to kind of track their sounds, and they they started to realize they're like, well, we like just as we were just talking about language, they actually have each individual pod in the ocean has its own dialect and its own slang, so to speak. So cool. like, there's no there's similarities to ones <clears throat> that are uh, like far away from them, but there's like uh, a slang to it. Yeah, it's it's very much like a dialect. It is like That's a language very because. Um, in a pod, once a, once a mother gives birth to children, the children never leave the mother. Wow. Never. So they travel in pods of like 15, 20 of these whales at a time. And, and they work in like very concerted efforts to hunt and attack and stuff. Fantastic. So when you rob a, a, an orca from that pod. Right. That's bring, a big fucking deal. That's a big deal, man. Yeah. So like they put them into this swimming pool with these other two whales that it's, you know, it's, it's just like gang warfare. You put them in with two rival gang members basically. And they're just right. like, you, I can't understand you. You can't understand me. Tower of Babel all over yeah totally right and just yes yeah, so, see how these two get along yeah and then they're not going to and so they tether them what they do is they tether one to the uh to another whale when, when they bring a new Jeez. one in and they, when they tether them they they make the one do the trick and then the, the the new one has to do a trick and if the new one doesn't do the trick then neither of them get fed so the other one starts getting upset at the other one, and they basically oh my god yeah it's like a full metal jacket almost you know like <laughs> Jeez. you know right yeah, the things that we think about <clears throat> as like theories and ways to test something that we have n- just have yeah. no idea and it's just weird the science behind it like we have to control it why do we have to even do that exactly right? the, the idea that we have to control it true yeah so it, that's crazy it just kept getting more dark like for instance in the winter um, because this was an outdoor park in, in mm. you know, in uh, on the Pacific Northwest. So after the summer months would end, uh, two or three, four months, whatever the, of the year that was warm, uh, they put them in these pens right. for for twelve or I think they only let them out for four or five hours a day in the winter, oh, and, okay. and they keep them in these pens that are twenty by eighteen. That's absolutely crazy. Right? And I, I mean depth, like right. it's only eight, so. <laughs> It's psychosis. You imagine being locked in a closet, like especially your size. You're fifteen thousand pounds, and you're, oh my god, it's got to be psychosis, are fucking right? Huge, yeah, it's, it's just astonishing. So anyway, this guy Tilikum, this this orca, uh, after five or six years, ends up um, doing pretty horrific thing. He he took his female trainer by the foot, mm. um, and it was like calculated, very calculated, because wow. he took her by the foot, and then he brought her all the way to the bottom of the pool. And would hold her there for about forty-five seconds. He knew what he was doing. And then bring her back up, let her get air, and then no he would bring way. her back down oh for forty-five wow. seconds. And she she'd come up, pissed. and it's all in footage, and she's screaming. She's, right. she's like, "Save me! Oh save my me!" God. And it's just, it's very troubling to watch, actually. Fair enough, I would say. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, yeah, it just it just blew me away. So, uh, I guess Tilikum got moved to uh, another. Um, they got moved to the the big leagues basically after that Jeez. incident, and they closed Sealand based on that, yeah, that okay. incident. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, this trainer died, and and another thing, she was like 
um, I think she was part of the Canadian national swimming team. So this is like a strong oh, okay. swimmer. Wow. Like, you know, so, right. Well, what the fuck are you going to do against right? a whale? So they brought Tilikum, this giant 15,000-pound orca. They brought him to uh, this next park in, in America. And the, the, I guess the PR stance was, he's going to a bigger park. He's going to have more care. Everything's going to be taken care of. When, in fact, really, he's going to a smaller tank. Right. And they're breeding him. So now... Jeez. What's crazy is that I think they said there's about 30 to 40 orcas in captivity right now in the world, and all of them can be linked back incestuously to Tilikum. Hmm. So he's like the, the paternal uh, creator of all these all these orcas. Wow, hey. But they have orcas mating with, like, like uh, the, the fathers are mating with the, the, the cousins and the daughters, and it's just completely right. incestuous, very well, Game sure, of Thrones. Well, sure, I mean, if they've got a very small, <laughs> yeah, a very small pool to start with and have to have to keep pumping them out, mm. which is totally crazy that an incident like that would happen and they wouldn't just think, shit, we should put this guy back. Right. Like, we took him, <clears throat> and what were they thinking when they took him? They probably thought, this is our, like, we're allowed oh. to do this. It's our right to do it, but not thinking, like, it's like just I've gross. done some weird, like when I was a kid, I experimented and it maybe killed some animals even by accident. Right. What kind and, of animals? Uh, like, like a bird. I tried to catch a bird once, and in by catching him, I killed him. Oh. And right. I, I mean, I felt horrible, but that was the thing where it was like, no, I did something wrong. Yeah. Not go. Oh, that stupid bird did something wrong. Didn't let me catch him. <laughs> and like, oh, the bird is starting to <laughs> attack me in my house. Maybe it's my fault that I that I tried to ca- capture him and bring him and do my <clears throat> bidding. It's a powerful the, statement. Yeah, so the whale is killing people, like, it's very calculated, and they don't go, shit, this guy is pissed. We should let him go. This is our fault. We did this. I just think it's crazy that if a dog bites somebody, it just bites them. It doesn't mm. even have to kill them. Just a dog bites someone. Generally, in North America, you almost always have to put the animal down. That's true, yeah. Right? That's true. An orca, Again, not the dog's fault. Yeah. Now, an orca drags a trained professional <laughs> Very, to yeah. the bottom of the pool and then maliciously like, and and that's that's where we really start to you start to think about the intellect behind that because mm-hmm. first of all they understand that okay a human can hold its breath for 45 seconds or so yeah which he probably experienced in that whole time because they've got him doing tricks right? bringing people down and oh they can't be down there for that long he's probably like wow this guy can't be down here for that long the torture There's of that right something yeah just all the new. way down back up all it's the crazy. way down. And then, like, your heart must be just like, I- I'm going down. This is it. I'm never coming yeah, back up Yeah, this time air. is the last one, for oh, sure. The fear- it's like water waterboarding by orca. <laughs> it must <laughs> yeah, be, like, definitely. one of the most psycho deaths. Just I, crazy. I could imagine it's very rare, for sure. It's just insane. So, yeah, like, I mean, there's way more. I, I recommend checking it out. It's called Blackfish. You should, right, you Blackfish, should definitely check cool. it out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I, I personally have never killed an animal. Shame on you, Phil. Leon. Yeah, it was definitely a, you know a foolish mistake. The curiosity got the better of me. What kind of bird was it? I like a blue jay. I think it was just in my my neighborhood, or a robin. Was it around ninety one or ninety two? Did you ruin the World Series attempt of the Toronto Blue Jays? It was probably a robin. Actually, there were blue jays in Kelowna though, but they really? they were much more rare. Yeah, you can yeah definitely in the woods you find them. I grew up in Ontario, so there's oh, okay. a tremendous amount of blue right. jays. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'm actually surprised there are. Unless I'm like way out to lunch, and what I'm seeing yeah. is not a blue jay. Are you from the Okanagan? You're from uh, from the Okanagan. You're from yeah. uh, Kelowna, born, born and raised. Yep. 
Yeah, yep, for sure. Born and raised in Kelowna. Uh, what was it like growing up for you there? Was, uh, was it pretty um, good? There was definitely a lot of outdoor things that I did, mm. whether I was supposed to or not. I I was I was given the freedom by my parents to pretty much explore the world, and I would do so in as far as I could walk usually, and I would get in trouble a lot. Oh, you shouldn't have walked that far by yourself, and th- that oh, kind of okay. thing, or go in the woods. I'd be in the woods like all the time, and even to sometimes I'd be afraid, but I was you know nobody was there to stop me. So uh, did did you ever? Uh, so- so because you're in like um that type of area it's mm. like it's for people that know it's like a beautiful beautiful it's like cottage kind of area yeah almost, it's, right? it's like a desert it's actually very there's... much like where i grew up to be honest oh, okay. with you like um it's it's yeah it's like very it's not like the area it's a part of essentially it's, it's kind of a gem it's like a jewel right right yeah i'd say i mean the lake there really makes it something mm-hmm. that you want to go to because it gets so hot in the summertime right and then but the lake is there to cool you down and that's and that's just the the best part about it and it's a huge lake so people really get like the full-on yeah f- experience of that but otherwise it's like there there's a lot of trees it's desert though so the trees are mostly dead mm-hmm. for most of the year and uh, probably getting worse i mean when i was young there was a lot even more there was a lot of fires in my lifetime yeah forest fires that had had happened i i used to uh i used to date this girl um who moved there oh, okay uh, we were both in the same hometown and uh uh, so I, I spent a lot of my earlier years here moving out to the West Coast, uh, hanging out in Kelowna, even though I, I stayed here in Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, I saw, like, the big West, uh, the West Bank. Is that there no, Yeah, West Bank. Yeah. yeah, West Bank fires. Right. That were just like, yeah, there were a couple, yeah, yeah in the and past <laughs> 10 years. I'd be on the Greyhound, and, like, you could set your watch to it. There would always be some guy in the, on the bus that would be like... Over here on the right, you could see well, there used to be a tree line here, and it's all gone <laughs> now. And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's crazy." But yeah. it was crazy. Like the homes are just very gone. And, yeah, just, yeah, just totally. Destroyed. I mean, my area. <clears throat> where I, I grew up in what was called, if anybody is from Kelowna, it's called Rose Valley, um, and this was uh, a pretty secluded area up in the woods, very away from everything. Quite a quite a established housing development area but um but it did stop eventually because you just couldn't keep building unless you started tearing down the woods and you'd have to, <laughs> there'd be a, a roadway that you'd have to construct so there was actually no roadways that were constructed in my lifetime up there so it was, it was pretty limited once you got up there and it was amazing the force was super awesome to just be going and exploring i even shot a music video there when i was in high school and, yeah. and that kind of thing. i broke through the lake that's down there in the ice in the winter time we were scouting actually oh, for no. this music video and i broke through and the, my friend that was with me he just went as fast as he could to the shore because he realized he could fall through it right, instead right, right. of coming to help me but i pulled myself out anyway oh my god that's what, now what? you're just casually mentioning that that's crazy <laughs> that was, that's yeah so that tragic. was quite a wild time yeah but anyway now the forest it, you go there and is just like a prairie it's all. It was all burned down, and I was actually there visiting my family for the fire, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was right up by my parents' house, where we had to be evacuated and all that. And there were all these fire trucks and police and everything for a few days. Wow! Until it burnt itself out. I mean, the fire people are just making sure it doesn't come onto the houses as best as they can. Mm-hmm. They can't put it out. They just have to hope it puts itself out. Essentially. Yeah. So my uh, my younger brother uh, Brendan, uh, probably my only brother you haven't met yet, is. Mm. Uh, uh, he's the only one. He like stayed out of the music industry. He's like such a talented guitar right. player, but he doesn't, oh, okay. he doesn't, he doesn't uh, get involved. But uh, um, out of all of us, which is kind of weird, obviously. But uh, he he actually is a forest fire, uh, like a forest fire fighter. Oh, okay, so wow. he, he does like jumping out of helicopters, oh, smoke jumper. And, yeah, like wow. that kind of stuff. And 
I think he came out here a couple years ago when there's really bad fires out in the Okanagan. Yeah, the, oh, the wow, stories he tells you about, and like, yeah, just the, the science yeah. of fighting a fire is really weird. Like, fight oh, fire yeah. with fire, like some Metallica. Right? Yeah, you pretty much have to burn <laughs> everything so that it doesn't burn again. Yeah, you pre-burn it. Yeah, that's, that's especially really... the, yeah the brush that's all built up on the ground, mm-hmm. which is I mean nature's saying let's build it up and then burn it down and then let it grow again and it'll be beautiful. Yeah. So in probably 10, 20 years or maybe more, I don't know how mm-hmm. long this all takes, but I'm sure it'll be just gorgeous up there. Well, some trees can only uh populate themselves like repopulate themselves uh with extreme fire because of fire like i think um certain oak trees uh the the nuts and the acorns that drop okay they the seeds can only open with extreme fire oh okay so they're kind of sitting there planted almost waiting for harvest right so so there's like kind of uh wire you know like at some points obviously humans have to get involved especially when there's uh potential for loss of life or property damage right yeah obviously but at the same time it's like i wonder you know fire like on we were talking about planetary bodies you know like venus there's like storms that have been going on for decades yeah or like that one on jupiter you know that little red dot and right yeah is there a name for that do you know if there's probably we probably called it something (laughs) i mean us one guy did i mean we can kind of call it whatever we want now that you and i know what we're referring to all we have to do is keep calling it that next time we call it we talk about it triple katrina triple katrina (laughs) you know that triple katrina spot on jupiter Jupiter? yeah i know that of course i know that yeah triple katrina that's a that I wish we could just get some footage of that and maybe like a Fox News correspondent <laughs> like talking just, about <laughs> Triple Katrina just on the ground just like Tom it's so loud out here just yeah, way down he just gets like space shuttled just, in there Escape Tom pod. I just got, I can't get in <laughs> I'm burning completely to death here <laughs> my bones are literally showing yeah. uh, 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 what are the uh, what are the water levels out there uh, Katrina uh, like uh, it, it, it's just uh, it's just so crazy out here Tom <laughs> like, uh, yeah I I like uh I like kind of going off of rants in these kind of episodes. You know, like, I, I know enough. this is your first time on the show, but we just kind of, like, talk about whatever. And I like it. I do. I enjoy that. Yeah, I'm glad you do, because, like, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been wanting to have you on the show for pretty much, I don't know, since the inception of this show. Oh, right? awesome. Well, that's really um, nice of you to say. I'm sure a lot of people tuning in, listening right now, are probably uh, wondering how uh, our new arrangement came about, like, the deal right. and stuff, and, like, um, just exactly you know what amp records is doing maybe uh, i'll give you the floor a bit here and you can uh, maybe explain why don't you tell good people at home uh why you founded amp records all right yeah well basically <laughs> by the way this is where we get into the stock answer <laughs> yeah exactly like, here you go here's amp your records one sheet <laughs> answer number 872 yeah, yeah everyone's like oh here we go yeah exactly no, no. Tell, well, them, tell them yeah. yeah i mean ultimately i i started it really because you know i was doing music production and and that was going well and right. people would get a very good product in there we had a lot of radio success so that was kind of like you know you go to these guys and and they'll get your songs providing the song is written well enough mm-hmm. it'll can get it can get played on the radio hands down kind of thing but then what i started to really notice cuz i was very interested in working with artists and um and kind of helping them develop because most of the people that I would work with were still at the earlier parts even if they did get that killer song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they would come to me with like a photo that they hired some photographer or get a website done and it would just it would not be of the caliber that the song had been and I mean it's not cheap to work with these types of producers right, and, right. and that kind of thing so it was like wow you really put a lot of money into the music and now either maybe you got paid a lot of money for this garbage but it's 
it's not very good. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you didn't know that. And mm-hmm. maybe they even found us on a fluke. So they didn't know we, maybe we are getting the best. Maybe after they came to us, they thought, oh, anybody I hired would have been able to do things for the radio. Isn't that what their uh, job is okay. or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Maybe they didn't realize that there's only maybe a, like a handful of guys in any given city That's right. that can do this kind of thing. So, so. I, I started to do photo shoots, and that was kind of my way of putting my money where my mouth was at that point. And at the end, we had some success. We did some album covers, and then um, it it just kind of evolved past that as to I, I really wanted, you know, it's... I, I have a huge fascination with like the the mainstream pop culture in the U.S. especially mm-hmm. how they really create superstars at least like looks wise and and I mean they're like superheroes the way they that do, I right? see it yeah it's like you're creating a new superhero the machine just starts churning out yeah you know, like every... like when Marvel would introduce a new character it wouldn't be just some un, a nameable casual guy it was like <laughs> that's a new motherfucking character and everyone's going to like him because now I, I I want him to be interesting to all the people that already know that's all of call. these other yeah. characters and and so there's a whole world that's existed in pop culture and we have to look at it that way and that you're trying to introduce something new so I was very, I always wanted to be involved in that and I was guiding artists to do it but then I, like I said, put my money where my mouth is and we did, you know, websites and music videos and started doing the radio and uh, doing PR and, and that that just to me was like you know, this really makes sense for artists that need these services. Mm-hmm. It's like there's nowhere else that I know they can get it. I mean, I can. I'm hard pressed to uh, to recommend a photographer. I mean, a f- one photographer is one thing, and maybe they're amazing. They've got an amazing portfolio. But what exactly are you wanting them to do? Can they do it? And for and another thing is, it's not just a f- photographer that makes a photo shoot. Sure. I mean, you got yeah, makeup sure. and hair and stylists, people that get the clothes and the location. Do you need to build a set? Is there something you can already right. use? Right. Is there, you know, then graphics wise after? How do you pop it out beyond mm-hmm. just what that photo is? I mean, maybe the is amazing composition of lighting but is it how does it then become that character that's this recognizable thing on a first view i mean spider-man did anybody forget who spider-man was after they first heard him i mean i know we were all kids but we probably remembered him like fucking immediately he's he's probably i think he's got to be in flagship territory for sure definitely right like he's got to be one of the first ones you think of yeah when you you think of marvel absolutely and and as an artist i think that's really hard for people to understand because the the biggest thing that that i encounter is artists want to be like themselves i mean we have this whole thing happening in pop culture too where there's like you know the the zoe de chanel's and they're they're kind of like oh i'm just a normal person i'm quirky and i'm yeah i'm just a quirky normal person but even that is very if you really break it down it's very defined like very precise what she is and who she is and I it takes it. a skill to craft a person like that you're but, right it does but everybody just thinks but i'm you know shouldn't people just like me and once they start to get to know me won't they just like it anyway and i'm like okay well how the fuck are they going to get to know you because you're just some normal person you're one in fucking seven billion and yeah. good luck and that's really kind of what r- motivated me to say you know what we can we can help you make those right decisions and then we become kind of the quality control yeah. of all of that and that's what i love about amp records man is that there is that quality control that that. there's a lot of intelligence behind the decisions um you know i i've been involved with uh, other labels before and uh there there's been some really really quality decisions made and then some decisions that uh i just i'm not 
really understanding some of the, right. the thought process behind it. But again, fair enough. I think if you approach everything with like, okay, these people are doing the best with what they can, eventually you just get to the filter in your head where you're like, okay, their best might not be good enough. So let's let's defer to someone for right, sure. Exactly. Yeah. So let's defer to someone who can do it really well. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, I I I love myself some Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, I think I, she's great. I think she's great. I think she's a fucking amazing singer too. I think I, I think ever since I knew that like Ben Gibbard Gibbard, how do you say it? You know, from mm, Death Cab for Cutie. Oh, I you know what? I don't know how to say his name. I don't know how to say his name. I've I'm gonna never say, heard it said. I'm gonna I've say Ben it. Gibbard. I'm gonna say Gibbard. Gibbard sounds pretty good. Gibbard, yeah. Yeah. Gam Gen Bigard. No, <laughs> say it wrong. <laughs> ben Gibbard, he he was like banging her out. He was married to her and stuff and I did not know that. Yeah, so I think good for I kinda like her even more. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Death Cab. I'm Cutie, a Death so, Cab fan, yeah, yeah. for sure. That's I, I think uh you know, you're a producer and you're you're a founder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of, of this label but you're also an artist and uh, you've had uh, several TV placements uh, with your music you've had uh, some pretty good uh, radio success as well mm-hmm. um, Dreamboat Money how, how did that come about what's your current status with that uh, right now we're actually writing uh, a second album so mm. I really I want I have uh, I have a lot of ideas for it um, musically I'm really trying to write it right now it's been a few years since I did the last one so I have um uh, you know, hopefully I'm not being too hard on myself, but I really want it to be something very, very special. So I'm, I'm taking my time with it. Um, but uh, that came about originally, you know, those songs just kind of came to me and I didn't know what they were for really. And, um, and then I, I ended up just kind of doing it on my own. I was recording them for me. And, uh, and I did all that whole album. Uh, if found, please listen in my apartment, mm-hmm. uh, actually a couple different apartments that I, that I lived in. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I in my engineering schooling and whatnot mm-hmm. d- was like, no, okay, this, I can make this sound fine in my house, the, which to everybody, the key to a good quality recording is not hearing anything, but what it is you're trying to record. Um, and I know a lot of artists that try to record in their house and they literally will be like oh my god what's this mic how come this sounds so much better than my house or what plugin are you using because this sounds so much better than my house i'm like well what is it what is your recording sound like drywall all this bouncing yeah. around in your house well that's why and that's kind of the trick it's very simple but it's very you know mathematical and strategic there, at the same time there's so. an energy uh, about um the uh, intellectual level that it takes to really make those kind of decisions and I think that um, sometimes when you encounter people that aren't quite there yet when they have like uh, their potential but they don't really have that that intelligence behind them yet you, it just kind of feels like there's something lacking and right. I, I think that that shines through in recorded music as well mm. and it's nice to see when people make a jump from uh, one one level to another, but I think oftentimes that comes from meeting people like yourself and like like myself and like uh, like other other people, developmental producers that can like really take a, a client from A to Z or whatnot. Right, absolutely, yeah. On the on the producer client level, but yeah, I mean that's that's so true. I mean the people that I've met have just changed just as peers. My life, yeah. yeah There'll yeah, be a, totally. just a trick, and you're suddenly that's like you're using that trick forever, mm-hmm. and and it does make a difference. The little tricks, but now we're talking about already 
already beyond you know the home recording and those tricks are you know preferences i know a lot of people in the mix world that you know will say you know this the vocal really loud or the vocal really quiet is a preference and i get that and mm -hmm. there's they, it's obviously art at the end of the day anything that you do any decision that you make but some are are they educated decisions i think that's like anything like any art or really anything in general i mean we can scientifically fall on something that changes the world but if you're like you knew what you were doing and to try to get that mm -hmm. reaction then suddenly you it's a very confirmed and a very you know stable way of of going through yeah. going about what it is you're doing so it's kind of like what we were talking about before it, it's it's still it's like an understanding based on almost a minimized limited understanding of our own ranges of hearing and, and spectrum because even that right. like like our our range of hearing uh, compared to other beings oh, on this absolutely. planet, right? Like it's yeah. just, it's it's crazy that we we can make this this type of product. I, I mean, I don't even like to say call it that, but like this art, you know, mm -hmm. can make this art that uh, surely other other life forms on this planet can hear it, like a mm -hmm. dog or a cat or whatever. Exactly, right? yeah. But that they don't really perceive it the same way as we do. Totally. And what? Yeah. What are they hearing <clears throat> that we just could never hear? I mean, that's just like anything. What in the in nature is are other things hearing that we're not hearing? I think that that's probably where the the extraterrestrial life forms we discuss are are existing in a multiverse mm. theory where there's infinite number of dimensions of us living, oh, yeah. living in every dimension right every version of us whatever um i would think that there'd have to be a version where where we perceive music as sound and, and you can't touch it physically right but you can hear it and you can understand it i think that that is where an extraterrestrial presence probably exists and that fourth the fifth dimension that we can't quite understand right. right there's a whole yeah a whole layer of things happening that are that are physically happening we can perceive that they're physically mm -hmm. happening but we can't touch it yeah it's very like it's, it's very weird interesting. that like in the uh the uh the super collider mm -hmm. uh, and and uh people at home they're trying to wonder what the hell i'm talking about if you don't know what i'm talking about read a book <laughs> but uh <laughs> the uh the, the hadron super collider has uh basically they're they're sending particles at super high speeds um towards each other and crashing into each other um the theory is that if this occurs then antimatter would possibly occur and mm. then that would create a black hole therefore destroying our entire existence as it expanded right uh, exponentially i see I <laughs> so um thankfully for us that's not what's occurring but what is occurring is they are noticing that particles are occurring uh in a ghost-like presence only when measured Right. Which is really interesting because there are uh, particles that exist everywhere at once, but then nowhere at the same time. That's amazing. And that's where the multiverse theory comes from. Wow. So so when you start thinking of that, I'm like, where does that come from? You Because know? uh, a thought in your brain, right. as it travels through your synapses and whatnot, and, and, you, and you're really thinking about where that goes in your, your frontal lobe, and mm -hmm. as, as it just the... Just the energy it takes for me to converse this idea to you right now. Um, that is a particle in itself moving, right? So this thought, does it exist on multiple planes at the exact same time? Or does it exist only in this one dimension? That we, right, like, like yeah. These, like, in the box thinking. And I think producing music, for me, I always take great pleasure in the fact of every time I, I, I make something new, I always look at it and say, this didn't even exist in the universe Definitely. 10 minutes ago, 20 right. minutes ago, whatever, you know, however long. Um, and that's always like a great building block for, for when I'm doing creative stuff. Is there right. something for you that you always do when you're, you're trying to like uh, maybe reassure yourself you're doing something correctly? 
correctly. Yeah. Hmm. Like I, I use that as a writing yeah, technique yeah. almost. Um, um, you write quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, like you're saying earlier, you know, it, it's been a while since you wanted to write something specific for for Dreamboat Money. So, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, it's like, been, is there something that you do to kind of reassure yourself? I I don't know, like that I'm doing this right, or this is what I should be doing. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people that are in this industry, um, even the perceivably successful ones, right. you know, and like. Uh, uh, I think they go through periods of extreme doubt where right. where it's like, what am I doing? Or do I should I change this? Maybe people want this, and 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 then it's this constant battle between what you should be doing versus what people want you to do. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, absolutely. And, right, and somewhere in between, that's where your art finds itself. So, mm-hmm. is there something you do personally to to reaffirm yourself? Um, I would say, I mean, again, if 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 anybody listens to Dream About Money, it's a very positive, mm-hmm. inspiring lyrical content. That, um, in fact, um, I don't even really know where that comes from. That, and that's where you were saying, like, you know, these ideas mm-hmm. that sort of come up. And um, a big thing for me, I think, that I had I had really come to this conclusion many years ago, um, before I had written the first album, but that a song it wants you to write it, that it's its own entity in the universe, and it has a, a life force all its own, and it's fine. It's looking wow. for a host, and as opposed wow, to us thinking we nice. came up with the idea, and and I say this because what I've w- experienced is is a concept that was like brand new, seemingly, and then all of a sudden, there's like six songs out with that same concept, and me and some other writers, you know, will I've shared this with where I've been like, holy shit, we totally thought, thought that. that was yeah. brand new, yeah. and we wrote that into something, and then these guys beat us to it. But how and why? Where did it come from for us, and where did it come from for them? And that, why did we both have it at like a very similar time? Yeah, there's like a collective consciousness mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. and um, I really do believe that. And and where songs come from, and really. It's something that even that I've experienced in the last couple months um, <clears throat> trying to write this new album. I, I had moments, I mean, a doubt of what do people want me to do. But doubt is, is is this even what I should be doing for my life? What it like, I've, you know, I've had success. I've had, you know, a lot. It's obviously a hard road. It's the world of, of letdowns and the world of people like shitting on something that you put your heart, blood and soul into. But um, so I had I had questioned that. I was like, you know, maybe is this even it? Is there something else? Should I just go and like live a simple life? Because this is like 24 seven of, oh, of yeah. madness. And um, and then I, I wrote a song and I don't know where it came from. And and it was and it's called Don't Put the Fire Out. And, and that was something that, and I don't know why I was singing it, but then I was kind of like, holy shit, man, I'm the one that's more like thinking, should I extinguish yeah. this flame? And, and then this thing came out of me of its own volition and told me to not put it out. And I was like, well, fuck you. I'm, I just wrote that and I'm the one thinking <laughs> that. Well, how the fuck does that happen? No, I totally like, understand wh- What's that. the occurrence there? What, what was my thought process to let that happen when I wasn't thinking at all? And it just kind of came out. It's a chord progression and a melody and those are the words that came. And, and, I, and so I just don't know. I really don't know. And I, I love it when you feel like something things come to you and you just have to kind of be thankful because it might not come again Ever, for, yeah. it may never you may yeah. never have a good idea ever for the rest of your life that's very interesting because when i was younger I, I used to um i used to take for granted in my early teenage years uh the inspiration that would that would prop itself in front of me right and and i would i would think 
uh, yeah, I'll write this down later. Yeah, I'll think about it. And then later, it, it may not be the same manifestation that you had originally. Definitely. Um, so now when I have an idea, uh, much like other creative types, I just I have to write it down immediately. If it's a napkin or whatever, just, Definitely. just put it down. Nowadays, we, we're very... Uh, you know, benefited with like cell phones. With yeah, the, um, you usually have a recording device on yeah. you. Absolutely. My uh, my phone contract's up in like two months, so I'm gonna go get myself one of those badass notes, Galaxy Notes. Or nice, the with big the, ones. Uh, yeah, with the stylus. Oh, sick! Oh, that's badass. I was using it. Uh, my girlfriend's uh, dad had one, and I was, right. I was fooling around with it. It was pretty awesome. So, I'm a huge fan of like physically writing things. I'm pushing in a letter to create a word. I don't like inspiration wise. I don't yeah. like to write that way. I really do like having a pad and a paper or a stylus on a thing would probably yeah. be sufficient. Do you think that uh, that that might stem from the uh, the font choice? Because for me, maybe yeah. Uh, when I when I type something into it, I know exactly what you mean. When I type something into a phone. Uh, or, or a tablet or, or, or whatnot. Right. Um, I always have this feeling that the tablet or the phone, it's like they kind of own the idea now because it's in their font, their word. But if like, right. again, if you write something in a notebook, hey, I have to do this at, at the same time, it's like no one's responsible for that writing but me. Right. But at the same time, uh, you and I could type the same idea into our phones in the exact same language in the exact same way. And then if we put them side by side to each other, they look like the same idea. There's right. nothing Fair unique enough. Yeah, about that, it right? does it does reduce the the uniqueness of it. That's true. That's, I, you know, I never really true. thought about it like that before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I gotta say, I usually use notebooks and stuff like that. I'm right usually uh, very well prepared. I just simply brought Crown Royal today. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, that's good for me. I, I, Why I didn't you bring usually... Jack Daniels? Well, because they didn't sell Jack Daniels, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> wherever I was trying to get it. Okay, I'm trying my best. <laughs> I think you know there's not that much difference between them. Which might get me a lot of flack, but hey. Well, Phil, like they they all get you they, they perform the same words. function. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what I'm after usually. You're a practical man. That's what it comes down it's to. It's about utility. So it's, it's gotta be <laughs> functional, that's for sure. <laughs> I like the way uh, you know, you handle yourself in business. Um you you're one of the few guys I've met in the industry that uh that kind of um I I don't know how to really put this. I'm not trying to embarrass you, Phil. I'm just trying to. Well, I'll do just your trying best. to talk frankly. I'm just trying to talk frankly. But you're uh, you're very confident in what you do, and that is backed up by results. And um, you're one of the more knowledgeable people I've ever met in the industry. Um, we met in college. Yes, definitely. And, uh, it was like eight years ago, maybe. Yeah, eight or Almost nine. Nine, even. nine years yeah, ago, right? Nine. So eight or nine years ago, roughly. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And in our class uh, that graduated uh, within those three three semesters, um, there's been a lot of talent to come out and done a lot of things. But um, for the most part, yourself um, and uh, you know Curtis Monumental, a mm, good, good mm-hmm. friend of ours, definitely. Uh, you know, and uh, like Jesse Laborde, uh, and like uh, obviously Zenny D and the Alliance and those guys. But um, uh, it's just it's nice to be part of that class that kind of came out and th- there's been some serious moves made from people yeah definitely and that's right. that's really kind of you to, to group me in that yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> i would say you spearhead it uh, well if, let alone group you in but uh, uh other than that it, it's just it's nice the way things have come together um, i agree it's yeah. a beautiful beautiful thing seeing the way things have progressed in the last uh nine years like um in college was there a a particular moment you remember in college that kind of stuck with you because there, there are certain adages that i remember um mm-hmm, like we were mm-hmm. talking like when you're saying that when you founded amp records how uh you'd run into these artists that artists would come to you and they, they'd say 
uh, you know, I have this crazy song and it'd be well produced or maybe whatever. Right. Put a lot of money into the the production, but the image would be off. Right. And and I think one of the adages I pulled from college was, uh, it's the music business. And a lot of people handle the music, mm. but very few people handle the business. You know what's what's interesting about that is there was an adage that I got um, it, from from actually Dave Chesney. Remember? I you love remember Dave him? Chesney. He's still, he's still Dave's a good guy. Heavy, actually, uh, doing the business he, course. He, yeah. he, he actually survived the great cull of two thousand nine or whatever. Yeah, for sure. They cleaned house of they all really their uh, staff, yeah. eh, didn't they? Yeah, yeah I think. Um, I mean, yeah. The, what I what I what he said, and it was one of the few like really the statements that I remember, and it's similar to yours but it is a little bit more unique th- th- that he said it's not the music i like business it's the music business and that was something that stuck nice. with me and that yeah. was something again that kind of created amp records because just that concept of that is where the artist just says but i like this mm-hmm. and and you're kind of like who gives a shit that's really <laughs> the answer to that because <laughs> are you selling? Does anybody actually like it? If they do, fine. Yeah, great. That's yeah. great and good for you. But if they don't yet, then maybe they never will. And you just because you think, oh, well, it's because it hasn't been marketed and all this stuff. And I, there is merit to that, for of sure. course. Yeah, but, for sure. um, but why would somebody merit it? I mean, uh, like why, yeah, why, why would somebody market it? Why would they get behind it? Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's 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 where you now what you're saying about the business side of it is very complicated because nobody really understands the music business, and that's something I've I've noticed with investors and, and money people that unless like the only real true way to do it, and this is like this is the secret of the independent or mainstream or whatever music business is that if you have enough people looking at what you're doing then a sponsor would want to advertise there. Like McDonald's will want to put their ad there because they're just trying to advertise in any way and they want to do it creatively too and interesting because they need eyeballs on their stuff. And they'll pay you to put their name somewhere. But if you don't have enough eyeballs, then nobody gives a shit. And nobody's going to give you money to to if there's no eyeballs there yet to go, I'm going to help you get eyeballs here because even a record label will sign like 50 bands a year going, yeah, they're all pretty good, mm. but is anyone going to like it? I don't know. Yeah. And I fucking love this band. They blow my mind, but nobody else seems to like it. And I don't know why it's an unquantifiable thing. And that's, what's so complicated about the music business that True. you have to be opened to, to trying something different. And it can't, I mean, there's so much ego in this business and just the independent oh, artists, yeah. the, the unknown, they have bigger egos than a lot of people and they're just hurting themselves. And I think that that's, that's something that is slowly changing where the business mind can really be capitalized in this business as a creative, but that's where they just have to start realizing, well, I have to make business decisions and strategic ones, but I get to be creative. It's like, it's still a job, but it's a good job. And that's been said a lot, even mm-hmm. actors and that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. sure, it's it's a good job, but it's still a fucking job and it's hard and yeah. you have to be smart and you have to be smarter than everybody else. And that's just what it comes down to because you're, you're inevitably in competition with everybody yeah, everyone else. yeah all the time yeah <laughs> totally. uh, that's people don't understand that like yeah this job is really a 24 7 job when, mm. when you're producing music for a living it's it's constantly being on um when you're an accountant we were talking about this the other day yeah Remember absolutely that? No, yeah definitely. it's like when you're an accountant you can leave on friday and basically leave the office and not even talk about numbers if you don't want to totally Monday. you don't have to talk about numbers that's you right. can kind of be a dick to people that's right you if can go you are a dicky person that's right you can go out and drink your face off and be an yeah. idiot and 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 just curse out everyone you know uh, and then on Monday, go back to the office and no one gives a shit. Yeah, no one gives a shit. When you're producing, um, for the most part, 
especially nowadays, the, the higher your profile is raised, the more it's a, it's a public life you, you're living. Yeah, you're ultimately trying to create a public profile. So right. in that case, you're kind of like everyone you meet is essentially a customer. I mean, as far as even if they're a like on Facebook or like a follow on Twitter mm-hmm. or, you know, those are the kinds of numbers the independent gets to create in sales and maybe they're going to buy it. But if I was like, you know, walking around with a Dreamboat Money sign on me or something, just being like, hey, I want people to listen to this. And then I was a total dick. I might have just like personally lost money where you have to be so like in that in that way of it that if people were they they look at you and they think well i'm not supporting this guy like they wouldn't go i'm not supporting this accountant because who gives a shit maybe right i mean you wouldn't know him it's it's not as public there's one of it however many accountants in the same street you're right or whatever so so if you're trying to be publicly known then you really do have to treat everybody with respect and it's it becomes interesting it is it is interesting especially the more clients you take on Mm-hmm. Especially, uh, see, in my world, um, because I deal with more urban-based artists, uh, say if you have, I, I haven't dealt with this in a long time, but uh, if if you have clients that don't like each other, mm, you know, right. like, again, you don't go to your accountant and say, yeah, my neighbor goes to you, but I hate him, but I, I'm going to you anyway. Like, it, it's just, totally. It, it's never, the guy would be like, whatever, I'm still going to do your taxes or whatever. It doesn't matter. But like, Yeah, it's not going to change these factual numbers that all add up. Right. But then in the perception of, of music, it's that, okay, it has to be a collective of, of mm-hmm. good people. One broken chain, will, will like one link will break the chain, basically. Absolutely, yeah. So, and people's feuds in amongst the business, business have been like, well, I won't. Are you still working with that person? Because I really, I will, I will never work with that person. It's like, holy yeah. shit, okay. Wow, well, okay, yeah. And then there you go. it's very much um, a series of power vacuums. Mm. You know, Someone asked me a long time ago, what's it like? to be a producer that they're they're completely unplugged from the industry they have they have no desire they right. they don't they just work a regular nine to five or whatever Lucky them. um yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the stability man god damn i envy you yeah and uh they, they asked me like what's it like and I, I i just responded i was like well you know after thinking a bit i was like uh it's just being a producer is like a, a series of unpleasant conversations that you have to have with a number of people <laughs> and it's just like uh there's a lot of good things that come from it but for the most part it's it's dealing with like people understand like people are paying you to tell them what's wrong for the most part and, right and then and, ha- yeah. and then how to correct it mm-hmm. like not just to point out the problem but then else to have a solution and then you're psychologically juggling pride and ego with people and and then the, the more people you involve and the more clients you have you have to exponentially you know magnify that it's how many yeah, times right exactly so it becomes really so people are like how can it be stressful you're making music you're like you have no idea like yeah before, the client relation is, is very complicated right like before sure. a song like people hear a song on the radio and they go oh yeah i kind of like it or or yeah or i love sure. this or, you give or, it a quick it. once over that's right people don't understand that for that song to even get on the radio, like how many dozens of people have to like touch it to like even yeah touch it know? and and you know the the yeah the conception of it is gets completely torn apart and oh this is a great song but it sucks in all of these ways and therefore now the, you're attacking people's you know real personal attachment they've had yeah. to it yeah. and yeah that can happen on many levels until it finally gets out there for sure and that's uh, i mean in all of film and and even graphics and things that happens but yeah they they don't really appreciate how much work it is and actually 
there's something that I found interesting too. The more amateur people are, the more they say how easy it is to write pop music. And that's the one thing I always hear. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. man, why don't you just quickly write one then and have a hit yeah. and then go have all your financial problems and be solved? It's like saying, man, I could really win the lottery. Yeah. That's nothing. I could, yeah, well, I could do it if <laughs> I, I wanted. I could do it. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah that's hilarious because uh, I, I have a... I have a tremendous amount of respect for pop music, um, especially in the last like five, six years. Uh, you know, the, the more I've advanced in the industry, uh, the reason being is is, is exactly what you're saying. Um, to for let's just let's just uh, bring up something that probably everyone's heard. Uh, let's just say like uh, uh, Rebecca Black's Friday. Okay, sure. Now, now that was like uh, crucified socially mm-hmm. and, and rightfully so in my opinion i don't know it's just it's kind of it's really it's, nonsense, it's a satirical right? yeah, song it seems that way it's yeah. you know it's that guy i don't know what they're called hollywood productions or whatever right they, they do the all the teeny the, yeah totally all the bar mitzvah broads basically <laughs> <laughs> they, they spend their bar mitzvah uh, money on a music video or whatever right but uh the the idea behind it though that um everyone knew it 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 was popular enough oh, that, that is that a, a hit right by yeah, the like a classic yeah in, a, in the music industry sense it's it's a monster it, yeah it, it wrecked like for real, yeah, really just wrecked. destruction yeah right and uh, tore down everybody in its it, path it, and then and for people then to go like yeah but it sucks it's like well all right well what was the intention here was it to like make her an incredible songwriter or was mm. it to like bring eyes to the product because if that was the goal man mission accomplished by a bomb and i wonder how intentional the 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 obvious just like you know bad singing and <laughs> my favorite cheesy part, lyrics my favorite or simple lyrics part was i should that, say uh, like fake nelly kind <laughs> of know. and that guy i mean what a career that guy's got now but that guy can say more than most people i mean yo that, you may have heard of me from rebecca black friday yeah. i'm killing it well it's like it's Dude. like a lot of the the pop singers that that you do feel like is, is this a joke sometimes it does seem that way like and you do, you do you can't ever know and however you know serious they create the project and make it seem right uh, i was making air quotes there just so everybody knows sorry yeah. <laughs> I, i'm not um, serious with this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah and yeah you just you just wonder i mean it seems like a joke sometimes i'll see because i've been watching the, the the mainstream industry for so long and i've been researching and studying it to try to you know always be on top of what's going on and sometimes i'm literally like man is this just a joke this just seems like how did they how did they put so much behind this one right over so many others that right. i may know or wonder I, why i feel like that. we're about to kind of in my opinion, I don't know if this is like how accurate this is or how close we actually are, but I feel like much much in the fiscal cliff type scenario in the U.S. where there's only so much debt you can take on before you go into right. the next level, I think in the industry we're kind of getting to a creative cliff. Agreed. And yeah. I think that we're either we're going to push out the current decision makers that are, are you know, Jurassic at this mm-hmm. point. They're dinosaur uh you know, whatever Cretaceous period that sure, they're going yeah. through. Yeah, and their their philosophies are way different. Way different than ours, right? And and I think that they're either going to die off or be pushed out, and then mm-hmm. our next generation is going to come up, and we're either going to continue the same cycle that's gone on for the last seven, seven eight decades, right? Or we're going to go ahead and change the mold and certain uh, cycles like that, like pop cycles that that don't really make sense. Will will go away because there's mm-hmm. great pop mm-hmm. songs. Yeah, are, there's are, ones that you genu- genuinely 
like. Yeah. But there's also tons of music that we genuinely like. So yeah. if you were able to to get the opportunity to listen to it on that scale, I just don't know what the delivery system would be because that's just that's something that needs to change. Because right now it is so easy when you have a ridiculous budget to just buy eyeballs. You can buy you the market. Yeah. Buy it. Yeah, so you, that's and that's how it's been done. I mean, yeah, it's it, not it's not music competing with music. It's yeah. marketing competing with marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. And so some have gotten the opportunity and some break through, <clears> you know, because the radio lets them gives them some airspace. And I've definitely witnessed this you know, firsthand where a song that had no marketing and really didn't have much of a campaign at all did actually climb the charts and made it into the top 10 and broke and that all kind of the thing. pale conspiracies well yeah that then that does exist i mean that's still almost a level of it because the the guy that was bringing it to the radio station knew the radio station guys mm-hmm. very well and it's just like you and i i mean if if you're talking to a friend of yours it does mean a lot something different than a hundred other people that are just randomly trying to get your attention so that's like a form of payola but it those relationships are built in true in, in certain ways, and, and they're they're still based on the fact that they're going to be working together in that That's capacity. Right. But until but we start feuding together, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, and then yeah, that, that's when projects just hit the shit. Right. For see sure, people, yeah. you see how we're talking about now. You see how this works, and it's like, oh, okay, social favor moves the wheels of musicianship, basically. Yeah, yeah definitely. Do you do you uh, uh, you Twitter obviously that uh, at Phil Lehman is that is that what uh, it is? yeah I do I have uh, Twitter. Um, people essentially so what you'll see is i'll i'll put uh the i'll hashtag the real phil lehman right uh if it's ever me officially otherwise you're going to get a bunch of propaganda uh just <laughs> it's it's a it, it, in as far as there's these marketing strategies again to keep a profile very active and it's quite it's working quite well but i i do definitely get involved definitely well, well you're a thought leader within the industry you have a you have a lot of uh resource that people look to and they want to get involved and um i'm sure artists that want to become involved even uh, in a fringe-like way with the label, uh, even ones that are on the outskirts, they follow you and like, oh, hoping to gleam some type of uh, gem, obviously. So, well, yeah, I, I, I can imagine there's some yeah. for sure. So, uh, yeah, if they want to follow you on Twitter, it's at Phil Lehman. At Phil Lehman, all one word. I'll throw a, a link on this episode. Obviously, that would you guys probably have my last yep. name. Is it two N's? Is if it's one big thing about it, L E H. And uh, the label, the label Twitter is uh, at. Amp Records Co. Yes, right? Co. A M P Records C O, and uh, you can follow Twitter on there. And uh, as always, you guys can follow me at M D underscore Boomsday uh, on Twitter, and uh, you can also send us your email. Uh, actually, we have new emails now that uh, now that I've signed with uh, Amp Records. These guys are so awesome; they give me such a beautiful address. You can find me at Jamie. I thought your name was M D. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> it's also Jamie. So J A Y M E at amprecordsco.com. Yes, he is assimilated to the board. I have been thoroughly assimilated, and we're sitting here in the bank vault, and uh, the air is getting thick, so I think we might uh, we might call this one a wrap. But uh, I want to just say thank you very much for making time today. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate you coming and doing the show. Like, uh, Thank you for having me. You probably had to do the least amount of uh, uh, travel 
to get to this episode. <laughs> yes, I had to have a microphone put in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> like came downstairs. That's. <laughs> I don't know why we did this in the washroom, though. Yeah. I mean, we could have gone in the studio, but hey. Well, whatever. you know, it's uh, it's just so dead. It's so dead in here, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An oddly dead washroom. Uh, I think uh, what we're going to do is we're going to end the episode by going to uh, some of Phil's uh, uh, solo material. Um, he, he goes uh, uh, with a part of a group here called Dreamboat Money. That's right. And uh, the name of the song is Remember, which is ironic because I couldn't earlier. <laughs> um, but uh, Dreamboat Money, and uh, it, it's been previously featured on uh, One Tree Hill. That song was on One Tree Hill, yeah. Uh, and uh, was it also licensed elsewhere? Uh, not that song, but uh, The Best Years has, has gotten a piece of Dreamboat Money and uh, Jane by Design. It's been on there. Nice. Uh, di- all different songs, though. Beautiful. This is good stuff, and you know what? I'm really happy to be part of the family here, and you guys We're have been nothing have but. You. Well, thank you. I, I, it's been nothing but awesome since I've joined, and uh, I look forward to an even uh, better year here coming up. Absolutely. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is "Remember" by Dreamboat Money, and uh, of course, we all love you. Say goodbye, Phil. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Later. Later.